Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily. I need to read into this more, but is it true they had uh, half-price beer for Lane Kiffin's introductory press conference at Ole Miss? I, That's that, pretty amazing. That I don't know. What do you think about uh, the Lane train being back in the SEC? He's happy about it. Oh, I'm sure he is. By the way, turned into one of the best follows on Twitter. <laughs> Did you, do you follow him? I, follow? I absolutely do, and he is 100% not shy about uh, <laughs> about pretty much anything. All right, let's talk a little NBA basketball. It's time for our NBA Daily Assist. It's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, here's Chris Mannix on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. NBA Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home uh, heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lee's Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEES, or online at leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with Flex Lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Uh, of course, he makes magic happen for Sports Illustrated. He's our good friend Chris Mannix. Chris? Happy Monday. How are you? What's going on, guys? Are, hey. you, are you a little bleary-eyed because uh, you've been flying around the globe these days? Bleary-eyed. Uh, you know, all this travel gave me a little bit of a cold here. But I'll tell you what, what I learned more than anything in jetting off to Saudi Arabia this past week was jet lag is a real thing. I used to, <laughs> I used to scoff at people that, you know, said they had jet lag, but going eight hours in in the Saudi direction, that knocked me on my backside for a couple of days. That was that was something to deal with. What was that experience uh, like culturally, Chris? You know, I wish I could say I experienced more of it. Um, you know, I, I got there relatively late in the week, and most of it was just working out of the hotel and then being at the venue itself. But, um, you know, they put on an incredible show. Uh, the The venue was literally built from the ground up in a matter of months, about 18,000 people in attendance. Um, you know, I have a funny feeling that in boxing, you know, we'll be back. Uh, they put up a lot of money for these type of events and a lot of fighters are going to want to get a piece of that action. So, um, I, I think, you know, maybe the next time I'll get a better chance to see the, co- the country. So, Chris, uh, we ask you every week about the Jazz and about their progress or lack thereof. They're 5-5 uh, five and five over their last 10 games, 13-10 th- yeah. and 10 at this point. At, at what juncture do you start to wonder if, the proce- if it's more than just a process situation? I think we're getting close. I mean, I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I talked to you guys about this, I maybe it was specific to Mike Conley, but I, I felt like Christmas was a good – sort of landing spot to, to kind of look back and reflect and see where you are as a team. But, you know, these days and weeks pass, and it's the same type of consistent problems. And when I watch the Jazz play, it's, you know, I wonder where the ball movement went. I wonder why the offense is, is stymieing. You know, Joe Ingles, you know, is, his three-point shooting hasn't been anywhere near as good as, as last year. I mean, I don't think you can just chalk it all up to, to Mike Conley and him adjusting. There's got to be something else that's going on there and you know maybe a little more time is needed to kind of you know get Conley more acclimated but we're starting to reach that point where we have to wonder you know is something fundamentally wrong 
with this team. And it's hard to really make, to, to really say that just because, you know, they should be better. I mean, on paper, this is a better team than than what we saw last year. Conley's that good a player. But, you know, the reality is they just haven't been been as good, especially off. I mean, defense have been slipped, but the offense and, and how that's you know, sort of come unraveled and, and been more hero ball has been uh, very surprising to me. Chris Mannix with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Chris, the bench has been a real issue for the Jazz. I know Mike Conley kind of yep. gets a, a lot of that spotlight, but the bench is, has not been satisfactory. And uh, is is this just kind of the world of the NBA? If you pay a player like Mike Conley $32 million and you pay a guy like Rudy Gobert $25 million at the bench is, is going to suffer? The Jazz have had the luxury in the past couple of years of not having a $30 million player. Maybe they can spend that money rounding out the bench a little bit. Is this life of having, you know, high-priced talent? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of your deal with the devil. I mean, you want that high-priced talent because more often than not, it's worth it. But to have that high-priced talent, you also have to hit on, uh, you know, whether it's rookies who can play right away or, you know, veteran free agents that come in at a very cheap price. And I'll use the Lakers as an example of a team that has scored with that. I mean, the Lakers put their team together on the fly basically in the second week in July, and you know, a lot of the guys they signed to lesser salaries have, have worked out for them. I mean, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, who they brought back, um, has worked out well. Rajon Rondo, when he's healthy, has played well. If you're a team that, that has, you know, top-heavy with, uh, with the salaries, you've got to find a way to, to, to make sure you maximize your value at every other position. And, and, you know, that's something I think the Jazz have to look at, not just this season, but, but beyond, as guys like Donovan Mitchell start to get paid and, and they start to dole out more money to keep their, their top players together. you got to make sure you hit on those late draft picks, second-round picks. I mean, look, the Raptors who are scuffling right now, but they're where they are because of Pascal Siakam. I mean, Siakam was the 27th overall pick in the draft several years ago. So those are the kind of picks that you've got to, to nail to get contributing players in that 7, 8, and 9 spot. Chris, which team, you mentioned the Lakers, which teams do you believe in and what you're seeing? And do you think it'll be the Bucks and the Clippers? Is that what we're looking at eventually? Well, I'm starting to believe in the Lakers, that's for sure, because, you know, December's their toughest month, and they've started off December really well. Um, I just saw Anthony Davis got Conference Player of the Week, but whatever that's worth. And, you know, they, they've started to play some tough teams, and they've been winning on the road against these tough teams. And if they continue this trend throughout the month of December, I will be all in uh, on the Lakers. Their start was good, uh, but it was against a softer schedule. This is the month where they were going to kind of define themselves, and so far, so good for the Lakers. So if, if their supporting role or supporting players wind up playing at this level in the postseason, you know, a, a team with LeBron and AD at the top, that's, that's tough to beat. I think the Clippers are still going to be there. Uh, but I'm not betting against the LeBron, Anthony Davis-led team. They have a strong uh, supporting cast around them. In the Eastern Conference, it's, I, I mean, I guess you kind of have to pencil in Milwaukee at the top, but I still think there's a long way to go. Um, I, you know, the Bucks have been very good on both ends, but they are still trying to figure out a way to replace Malcolm Brogdon. And Brogdon, if you remember, was the second-best player for that team in the playoffs last year. So they either need to get make sure, you know, make sure Eric Bledsoe can play high-level postseason basketball or have somebody from that group of uh, you know, committee members there to step in and fill that Brogdon role. I think that right now is their potential Achilles heel. Chris, are we going to see the league react uh, to what Luka is doing, or is, is what we're seeing right now uh, here to stay? I don't know how you react to it and do anything differently. I mean, teams have now had a year and a half to kind of scheme against him, and nothing seems to work. I mean, he's, he's like the pick and roll, as you guys know better than anybody, the bread and butter play – in the NBA, Luka Doncic is as good as anybody 
on that play. And, you know, when he comes off those screens, he's, he's so tall and he's so gifted as a passer that he can make the right play, you know, giving it up. And he's become such a, I don't know if he's a great shooter yet, but he's certainly a prolific one, but he's not afraid to hoist, you know, from 25, 26 feet away. And when you throw Porzingis into that mix, and Porzingis is only going to get better. He's good. But I think he's going to get much better as he gets more comfortable coming off that injury. That's as dangerous a pick and roll as you've seen in a long time. I mean, you got two guys with the type of dynamic ability that Porzingis and Doncic have. I mean, it's it's something to watch. So I, I think, you know, I mean, Luca, he might not win MVP this year, but this is a guy that has multiple MVP type ceiling attached to him. Chad's going to face uh, OKC. Uh, they're ten and twelve. Chris, at this point, uh, any observations about that particular team? You know, kind of where I thought they'd be to at the start of the season. They've had, you know, some bit of a roller coaster ride with their schedule and, and how they've played in spurts. But, you know, this was never going to be a team that after trading Westbrook, that could, and, and Paul George, of course, but they couldn't bottom out. They were just too good to, to bottom out. But they're not good enough, really, to be a playoff team in the Western Conference. But don't give them an inch because while they don't have that kind of prolific score, that 20 plus point per game guy. They got a bunch of guys that can score. I mean, you know, from Gallinari to Chris Paul to, to Shea Gildas Alexander, they can beat you in a bunch of different ways. So you've got to be aware of everybody out there on the floor. You don't have to stop one guy, but if they get, you know, four or five guys giving you 15, 16 points, they're going to be tough to beat. So, you know, Chris Paul hasn't been great to start the season. Um, I think he has the potential certainly to get better as the year goes on, as he gets more comfortable with his new surroundings. But that's a team that's probably going to finish the season right around 500. Uh, which is where I expect them to be. They're just, they're just not bad enough to completely bottom out. And they probably couldn't be bad enough to completely bottom out, Chris, with with Chris Paul on the roster. So that begs the question: Should they try and bottom out first of all, and second of all, could they get off that contract if they wanted to? You know, it's it's a good question about the contract. You know, people around the league say different things. Um, it's so much money, and it's kind of the look. Chris Paul deserves every nickel of that money because that's what somebody was willing to pay him, but. It comes with a price. You don't get to dictate where you want to go or where you want to play because teams you know, can't absorb you. Now, there are teams interested in Chris Paul. Miami, I think, remains very interested if they can find a way to sweeten the pot for Oklahoma City. Um, Miami, as we kind of know, they don't have a lot of draft assets. They've traded a lot of capital in recent years. But Miami's a team that believes in stars. And if they can find a way to pair Chris Paul and Drew Butler together, uh, I'm sure they do. And the other team to watch is Minnesota. Um, the Timberwolves... You know, they've been pretty good to start the year. Andrew Wiggins has been pretty good to start the year, but they feel like they're you know, a real point guard away from maybe being in that middle-of-the-pack slash upper echelon in the Western Conference. Those are two teams that will be interested. I, look, I, I don't even know if you, if you trade Chris Paul, I'm still not sure you can bottom out. Like, they still might not be bad enough to bottom out. I mean, bottoming out is what I'm watching in New York right now with the Knicks. That's, that's bottoming out. That's bad. Even trading Chris Paul, because you have Gildas Alexander there, who's one of the better young point guards in the league, um, I just don't think he can do it. So they might deal him, but I don't think that really changes their perspective on the season. You mentioned the Knicks, Chris. Uh, is it coach firing season already? I mean, apparently it is. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep an eye on Jim Boylan in Chicago, I guess. Um, you know, he doesn't make a lot of money, and that's a team that doesn't look like it's going anywhere or playing all that well. Still not playing that well right now. Uh, the, the Knicks were just, I mean, I don't think David Fisdale covered himself in glory this year. I, I, mean, I don't know what he was doing with Kevin Knox half the time because that's a young player that should have been playing 30-plus minutes, and there were games he was DNPCD out there, and that was that struck me as odd. But I've written this and I've said this. Like, there's no help in the Knicks. Like, this is it's as hopeless a situation as you could possibly be in. Like, 
they can float all the rumors about Masai Ujiri they want or claim to be in the running for Giannis in 2021. Nobody has wanted to go there in decades, and nobody's going to want to go there now. Not, not until they, they kind of figure out you know, how to put that dumpster fire out within their organization. It's just, it's bad. I mean, there's just, there's no reason for optimism if you're a Knicks fan. There's just nothing to hang your hat on about the future. What's been the biggest surprise from, a, I guess, a disappointment standpoint, or what team has not lived up to your expectations so far this year, Chris? Well, I mean, I don't know about not living up to expectations. I thought the Nets would be a little bit better. Now, granted, the Irving injury has been certainly a factor in all that. I mean, Kyrie, you know, getting banged up has changed things. I thought they'd be a little bit better than just a, what, a couple of games above 500 than they are uh, right now. I guess out west, San Antonio, I mean, just because they're always there, um, that's a team you look at. You know, the easy answer is probably Portland, but you know they've dealt with injuries of their own. I always thought that the Blazers last year was—I don't want to call it fool's gold—but they invested a lot of money in their two stars after you know one season of making a run to the conference finals. You have to remember, like a year prior, we were talking about breaking that Blazers team up, and maybe they have to trade CJ McCollum and and get something back in return for them. So I think statistically the Blazers are are the biggest surprise on the negative side, but I never expected them to be put it this way. I didn't expect them to to all of a sudden this year leapfrog into the top three in the Western Conference and, and become become a consistent contender. I thought they, they found lightning in the bottle last year, and, and, and I, I don't know if that was sustainable. A team that has impressed me, Chris, is the Heat. I mean, I didn't expect them to be quite this good. 10-0 and at home, and they're beating teams overall by 5.5 points average? Yeah, the biggest takeaway for me, you know, certainly they found guys that can play. Kendrick Nunn is another guy they picked up. They He's the Hassan Whiteside of this year, kind of a troubled guy that Miami sort of rejuvenated, rehabilitated, wherever word you want to choose, and and got him into a, a rookie of the year type of uh, got a rookie of the year type of talent out there. And but the big thing with Miami, I think they have been trying to win every single year, and I think that pays dividends for their young guys. I think when you have the attitude that we don't tank, we don't want to lose any games, we take no quarters off. I think that permeates throughout the organization. And from day one, all the players that have been there know they have to come to camp in shape, they have to be in shape all season long, and they have to play hard every single night. And when you have that attitude, I think eventually it leads to positive things. I do think because of the talent, there's a ceiling there, but Miami's going to come at you every single night, and they've clearly got some good young pieces to work with. As always, Chris, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Anytime, guys. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. Fresh back in the United States from a Middle East trip to go cover a little boxing. He sounds like he's got a cold, doesn't he? I'll tell you, that's no joke. Traveling overseas, that can, can be rough on the old being, right? I mean, out of the two of us, I think you've done the most world traveling, and so I'm leaning on you for some expertise. Here. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a grind. When you get on the Gulfstream and, you know, decide for a weekend in Dubai, I mean, I imagine that Monday back at work isn't easy. Speaking of uh, getting on the Gulf Stream, I have a nice plane. Man, should we? Uh, should everyone raise their kids to be like major league base, major league uh, pitchers? Yes. Are you talking about Steven Strasburg? Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That, that's exactly what you should do. Two hundred forty-five million dollars over seven years. Wow. Yes, please. 
Nothing compared to what Jason Cole's going to Jason Cole. Garrett Cole's going to be getting. From the Yankees. Uh, is he, is he going to get from the Yankees, the Phillies, or the uh, the Angels? I thought the it was Angels. all but I thought it was all but done with the Yankees. You the shut Angels, your are, mouth. Are the Angels in the mix? You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Didn't he grow up a Yankees fan? I, I'm being serious. I don't Who know didn't, much. I don't really? know much about Garrett Cole, but isn't that where <laughs> he wants to be? What derelict didn't grow up a Yankees fan? So what you're saying is is the Angels need pitching. <laughs> is that what you're getting at? Yeah, everyone's yeah. like, hey, Joe Madden. Hey, a new stadium. Hey, well, can any of those things or people pitch? Because that's what they're missing. Of is, course, that's what everybody wants. Is Mike Trout going to go down like Archie Manning where he was a good player? And <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want him to start pitching, to be honest with you. But, yeah. Good player and just on a bunch of dogs just throughout just his entire career. <laughs> who, else, who else was like that? Who was that? Was it Joe Thomas? The, the offensive lineman for the Browns, who was like the best tackle in the league for a decade, and he got like six wins over that entire decade. <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. Sorry, Austin. Yeah, well, yeah. at least they didn't spend $480 million on a player that helped them to get to 500. Like which, one are you, which one are you talking about there, Mike Trout or... Uh, I'm talking or, about the Phillies. Oh, the, the Bryce Harper. Well, yeah, that was a disaster. Both Austin and I told you that was going to be a disaster. Yeah, but they're... Man, the they're, Nationals get that cancer off their team and they win the whole thing. But they're going to be active now and uh, they have been already, but they're, they're going to try and see what they can do. Can but they man, afford to be? Yeah, apparently they can. I don't know what it is. I mean, hey, if any of you out there have left-handers for sons... Pitching is... Lucrative. Teach him to hit that outside corner, man. All right. Uh, joining us now in studio, he's our good friend Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services. And, Mike, let's talk about your service uh, service area. You guys cover a lot of ground. We do. We go from North Ogden down to Nephi to Willa over to Park City. Well, that's pretty much the Wasatch Front. And yeah, even and over into Tooele. Yeah. Part of the Wasatch back. Yeah. And, How about know. that? What if you live on a border? Like, let's say you're like a mile outside of Park City. Then what do you do? Well, I mean, we cover the Park City Heber area. So there's like the, the main road that goes back. And we'll, we're, we'll veer off that a little bit, but we're not going to go to Wyoming. So the good folks <laughs> at uh, go to Wyoming. The good folks in Heber aren't going to get like, oh, so sorry. No. Correct. You'll, you'll, you'll get up there. All right. Uh, love the love the, lunch. love the tips that we're getting into and we're talking furnaces today. And this this I think is a really important question. Where should we keep our thermostats? Well, before we dive into that, one, if you're going to be traveling, don't shut your system all the way off. Like don't go to the therm- thermostat and shut it off because as cold as it gets at night your the inside of your house is going to get cold so turn it down to like 55 60 degrees don't go any lower than that because you don't want to come home to frozen or burst pipes now right. when you're in the house and you're living there that's the great debate right you know it, husbands and wives fight about it children and parents and um, it usually seems to be a battle over money and comfort now obviously the lower you set the thermostat the more money you're going to be able to save because you're not running it as long but the whole point of a furnace is so you don't freeze to death so I usually will tell people find a temperature that you're comfortable with and then if you want to save a little bit lower it a couple degrees because you'll save a little bit of money and you're probably not going to freeze to death or just do what your wife says 
Well, that's probably the answer. I got to admit, I, I do like it a little more crisp. So this is this is good ammunition. Does it make it more efficient as well? It now it doesn't make the system more efficient because efficiency is just a measure of how well it converts the energy that you're burning, whether it's gas or electricity. How well it converts that energy into heat in the home. And so if you've got an eighty percent furnace, the best it's going to do is eighty percent, and that just means that twenty percent of what you're paying for, you're not getting any heat out of it. So you can't really affect the efficiency upwards until you replace the unit and then you can get a more efficient system but you know there are some things the longer your furnace runs the more out of spec it gets and so it can start to run less efficient than that and so when you having this annual maintenance done um, our objective is to try and correct all those things that happen over time with the wear and tear to try and get it as close to factory fresh as possible to run at the efficiency the manufacturer engineered it One at. more question on that, Mike. Yes. Let's say you like it at 72 degrees okay. during the day. Yes. Is it cost effective to go down to is it cost effective to go down to, to sixty degrees at night or should you take it down to sixty five because then you've got to fire up more energy to get it back to seventy two during the day? There are two schools of thought on it and you can get technicians that will argue this thing back and forth. Some people say it makes a difference, some people it doesn't. Some people will say that like, well, all of the money that you think you're saving dropping it down to sixty, you're spending that again as it's trying to climb back up to 72 and so really i don't i don't technically know what the scientific answer is i would say you're asleep and so turn it down to whatever you you know you're comfortable with and and roll with it but I, I don't know the answer to that question, and, but I know a lot of technicians that'll pretend they do. Hmm. <laughs> if we finally stumped Mike. We did. We've Are been you proud? trying for years. You proud of yourself over there? Not really. All right. It's kind of an empty victory. We're talking tune-ups today with Mike. and uh, let, that, let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> uh, manufacturers recommend this about once a year, right? Uh, yeah. They, they say that... Um, Here's the thing. Every hour that it runs, like I said, it's getting further and further out of spec. So all the dirt, vibration, temperature swings are going to affect the operation. And in the owner's manual, it says that in addition to the stuff that you do yourself, you should have your system checked out by a properly trained technician at least once a year. And so uh, tonight, your listeners can save 70 bucks on this $99 service that we perform and get it done for only $29. We go through the system top to bottom. We check all the vital components, make sure that it's running properly, safely. It's running as efficiently as as it can. Uh, We document everything we find. We leave you with a full written report. Um, Like I said, normally 99 bucks, but the key is call in tonight while you're listening, while you're thinking about it, and lock in this $70 savings. Schedule it for whenever it's convenient for you, after Christmas, after New Year's, whatever, but call tonight if you want to lock in the price. Incredible deal. you got to get in on it. Call Any Hour Services right now. Save 70 bucks on a 29-point furnace tune-up. $99 value, only $29, but you got to call tonight before 7. 801-443-7400. 801-443-7400. Any Hour Services. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. All right, more next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire 
Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Christian Cox, we hope, coming up here momentarily, the former Ute. Uh, we have some news, Gordon. The Heisman finalists have been announced. Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, and Chase Young. Well, well, well. All right. No Tyler Huntley, if those of you out there who were pushing for the Huntley for Heisman campaign. I cannot reveal my votes. But Aaron's votes? No, my votes. Um, How much did Aaron have to do with it? Nothing. Zero? Zero. You didn't even have her do your quote-unquote research? No. I did all myself. Okay. <laughs> I did ask her opinion. So, but, uh, I did so all, not I did, all I did all myself. And um, Did you vote for Huntley? I cannot reveal who I voted for. You voted for, for Huntley? It, 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 it states very emphatically... Do not, please do not reveal your vote before the announcement. Okay, will you just mouth it at me? And then, wait, <laughs> no, 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 hold on. Just ran over here? You want me to tap my hoof twice? Okay, just mouth it at me, and I, I, I will say agree or disagree. You want who I actually voted for? Yeah, yeah, I, I cannot betray. Just, just mouth it at me. I, I, won't, I cannot I, betray the I trust. I won't pass it along. I just want to know if I agree or disagree. I agree. I think you got it right. All right, uh, let's uh, jump out to the Sprint special guest line. Get an iPhone 11 on us when you activate a new line of service with FlexLease and eligible trade-in through December uh, 25th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the former Ute, Christian Cox. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jake. Who would you have voted for for Heisman, Christian? Uh, Joe Burrow. All right. LSU, you think they're the best team, or are you going uh, Ohio State? Oh, LSU for sure. I think Ohio State's overrated. Um, I think the Big Ten, I, I think they were challenged enough. I, the Big Ten between Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they're all kind of a swash, right? And that's coming from a guy who's who's Utah's best win, 7-5 Arizona, 7-5 Washington. I just, it's. I think there's an unfair advantage for the SEC and also the Big Ten, the fact that they only play basically four away games on the season. And they kind of to have these really uh, home puffed up schedules against weak teams, and so coming out the gate hot with some negativity, but here I am. Do you think Utah's uh, in league schedule was puff, puffed up and not really much of a challenge? I think the league schedule was still pretty challenging, right? You can't really control that. You played against you know a freshman QB from Arizona State. You couldn't control that. Cal's guy was so beat up. Uh, the QB from Washington State, he was very, very good. Um, you know, it's just it's one of those seasons. I think I think people are getting lost, and it is pretty hard to go eight and zero for a stretch in the Pac-12. I don't think Utah's ever done that. I'd be interested to go back and see past Pac-10 or Pac-12 stats of, of how challenging it is, and I think it's the the looming cloud just because of. I think the level of disappointment and buildup we had for the Oregon game and how, you know, lack of fight Utah contributed in that first half that just put them so far behind and was completely unexpected to see the boys who, you know, had been dominating the street fights all season long, save USC, uh, had the same experience uh, happen against Oregon right from the jump. And I think it was a, a, a telltale of, 
um, you know, a team that was picked by Vegas, a team that was picked by Vegas against SC, and any moment you overlook your opponent, and I'm not, I was in the locker room, I'm not saying this, it just looked this way. They got starred quick and got punched in the face and they were they were just wobbling for a while to, to kind of find their bearings. And uh, you could tell from the beginning, Oregon definitely wanted to prove something that they were a quality team. That, you know, maybe I even fall into this camp of, you know, saying, oh, Oregon's not that great. Well, Oregon isn't that great if Utah could have come out and, and played with the level of chippiness and aggression and not been owned at the line of scrimmage like they were from the beginning and actually came up with the plays that they made all year. They had turnovers this year. They were 0-4 on fourth down and two interceptions. And Oregon wanted it more, and you could feel that. I think that was the scary part for Utah fans. You could just feel it through the TV that, that first half, and it was just, what is this team? We haven't seen this team all year, and it was the biggest moment where you had the eyes of the whole committee, you had the eyes of the nation on this Friday night game, and just eerily like SC, um, Utah didn't come to play and didn't deliver as as we all hoped and thought, and uh, you know a pretty disappointing loss and tough for those guys. And we can get into the the details as to why, but holy shnikes, man, that was that was tough, and I can't imagine how hard it was uh, for those seniors, for Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley and. You know, we hadn't seen that version of Tyler Huntley where he had to play hero ball and a classic, a classic game where the opponent dictated its will to Utah, who usually does that, and got Utah in an uncomfortable game plan where they do not succeed when they're forced to throw the ball a lot. They couldn't get into running the ball and the defense was stuck out on the field for long stretches and that offensive line just opened up big holes. And we're talking, you missed one tackle in the gap, you know, from a, a, a nickel corner or a safety in Burgess. And, uh, you know, Verdell was gone. And um, a, a tough, tough game uh, to really go back. And I've avoided it. I've avoided watching highlights, even watching the OU Baylor game. I think that even puts more insult to injury because that game didn't even look that great in OU. I, I think if Utah would have won, which I think we can all play hypothetical dream state. I think Utah would have gotten in and, you know, the last week of OU positioning itself at six over five and Utah just didn't take care of business in the two biggest games of the year. They needed to take care of business. And really they have no one else to blame, but themselves for not controlling fully their destiny. So Christian, I, I disagree a little bit. I do think Oregon is a really good team. I don't I don't think that Utah played their best on Friday night. I really don't. But I, I do think Oregon's really good and I thought that Oregon was better than Utah for most of the season. Now then Oregon loses to Arizona State and the hype surrounding Utah, especially here locally, was was real. And I, I don't blame you fans, by the way. They thought their team was one of the best four teams in the country. They're they're passionate about it and biased and, and I don't blame anybody for that. But the hype turned out and, and I fell for it. I, I came around I picked Utah to win by fourteen on Friday, and I'm kicking myself for that prediction because I felt like I knew better specifically about Oregon. But when we were hyping up Utah, what were we wrong about? What did Oregon prove the hype wrong specifically about? Yeah, I, I think they just they, Utah hadn't had its back against the wall where it had to change its game plan, right? From the beginning, I, I think it 
you know, that everyone saw on TV as Kirk Herbstreit was talking about, Herbert hadn't run the ball all year. And just to start those first few drives, and listen, Utah should have been down 42-0 to zero, uh, or 35-0. to zero. Uh, Instead, they came up with some big stops at halftime, came up with 15 points quickly and got themselves back in the game. But I, I think just getting out of their game plan and the defense, when the defense you know, hadn't been on the field that much and they hadn't been kind of left on an island, that's something they hadn't experienced all year. And that's a lonely place to be. When an offense is dictating its process to you and you have no answers, it's it's probably the most lonely, sad place to be as a defender. And offensively, where you know somehow the offense always came up with a score and kind of re- restored the the momentum. Utah just couldn't draw that in the first half. And even if you went back and looked at stats and looked at third down conversions, and Justin Herbert was only 14 for 26 and had a QBR of 50 and he didn't throw for a lot of yards. He only had 193. Ironically, Tyler Huntley, I think, threw for 193 as well. I had two interceptions. But it really came down to Utah being 0 for 4 on fourth down and Utah getting a punt blocked. And, uh, you know, Oregon making their field goals when they almost didn't make them. And in the fourth quarter, it just felt like Utah was gassed and not having Julian Blackman made a difference. And they just weren't. They weren't ready, and and that's hard to even say they weren't ready because it was a short week. Everything's riding on it. It just uh, Oregon took a few things away that Utah thought it could just, you know, impose its will. And it's a weird thing when you don't get a fourth down conversion. Um, you know, it it kind of bleeds into the next ones. And you know, I, I thought the one time that you know Witt would have gone for it on fourth down, I get why he needed to punt. It was they were on the forty five. It was fourth down and three or something like that. I think Huntley slid short. All right, they're all mixed together. But we punted, and uh, that's when Verdell went down and scored and had that big, long 70-something yard run. But ultimately, I, I think Oregon beat Utah in its game. It, it controlled the line of scrimmage. If you want to just look at straight stats, time of possession was equivalent. Uh, Justin Herbert actually was not throwing dimes. Uh, it just was those big gaping holes in the fourth quarter when you already had a 20-point lead. And um, I don't think I'm, – I'm not saying Oregon wasn't good. I, I, I'm not saying that at all. I think Oregon was tremendous. I think um, Utah thought that we could just stop the run like we would and putting in – you know, you got bad field conditions and holding up the line of scrimmage for the entire game – I think the defense actually got worn down in their first game all year, truly worn down. And on the other side, holy cow, Tyler Huntley didn't have time to really do anything because he couldn't have that running game, you know, keeping that pass rush at bay. So those those linemen just were getting punked. And credit to uh, the, the safety, I think it was, what was the last name, Brzee or Breezy? Breeze, yeah. Who, yeah, he had a, a, targeting hell, a targeting play that he got reversed. Heck, he gets an interception. He has a fourth down conversion or a fourth down stop. He has six big tackles. Uh, interesting, you know, kind of a controversial call, but you're really reaching at straws when you boil it all down. Offensive line from Oregon trumped a very quality D line and front seven and total 11, honestly, and wore this defense down in the fourth quarter. And the offense, if you got a little bit more production, uh, in the first half, it's it's a little different game, but 
overall, Oregon Oregon put the hurt in the street fight, and that's truly what that game was. It was just who wanted it more. Oregon wanted it more from the get, and Utah came out slow. And uh, in the fourth quarter, Oregon just put the cinch, uh, put the the vice grip around you know Utah and just locked them up. Game was over. So if these two teams played ten times, what would the breakdown be as far as victories for which side? Yeah, I I think Utah. I think it'd be if again I I can't even logically speak because I'm so emotionally destroyed. Uh, I I I'd like my chances again at a neutral field, uh, not in San Francisco with the wind and weather. I personally love playing on grassy turf. I think Under Armour cleats, molded cleats, and I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this. Uh, I don't love molded cleats. I need spikes, and Under Armour only has molded cleats. And I don't like playing on grass. I like playing on grassy turf. So you put me in a Superdome, you put me in Jerry World, you put me in Gillette Stadium. Uh, I love my cleats on that type of terrain. But listen, Nike and Oregon had the same cleats. They punished Utah. Uh, but I do a 50-50 split. Uh, I w- Herbert, Herbert, while I thought in the beginning was, was playing well, Utah really, that third quarter, Utah smothered them. I don't think they had a lot of plays on the field. Uh, they really roared back, but the run game is what, what destroyed Utah, and you couldn't stop it. And even when you brought linebackers up close, that creates danger because you've got two back-end guys. If everyone plays up close, you miss one gap, it's gone. And he's fast enough, and you saw it from Verdell. He's a great back, great speed, had three touchdowns, 208. So, 70 yard long. Christian, you're the best. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Jake. See you, Gordon. See you. See you, buddy. Christian Cox, the former Ute. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa, Verizon, or XO customers. If you were recently notified that some of your telecommunications services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks, Utah's fastest growing premier telecommunications provider. They have a full range of services. Call today, 385 420 8221. That number again, 385 420 8221. Syringa Networks. Not sports, sports. Straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to get a winner, uh, of course, for your Chevy Strong Play the Game. Be color 12 right now, 855-340-ZONA. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850, and you'll win his own prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play the Game, brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on the Zone Radio Network. It's time now for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Going to Florida, Tampa. But it brings up uh, this story brings up a question, and I want to get you guys' opinion on it. Okay, this Florida man was recently sent a parking ticket seven years after committing the violation. Uh, how did this come about? Seven years afterward. Apparently, there was a glitch in the way that uh, the city of Tampa. Uh, issued these uh, these uh, citations, and it just so happened that it was a it was a rented car, 
and so they initially sent it to a to a finance company or something. But then it finally, after the seven years, this happened in 2012, it bounced back to Joe uh, Reeser, mm-hmm. who ended up paying a $40 parking ticket. Now, should there be sort of a statute of limitations on this sort of thing? Well, is there? Well, apparently not. Well, then do the crime, do the time, man. I don't <laughs> feel bad for you. Seven years? Have you ever uh, been... Uh, Tagged for something that happened seven years ago? Uh-uh. No, but I'll tell you what. We uh, we ran a red light in Seattle once and uh, in a rental car uh-huh. and had a ticket show up that very next week because they, they got you with the, the photo cop thing. So, I don't know. But we ran the red light, so we paid the fine. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, this individual, he thought that it was wrong. I don't know how many other people he said they're dinging on this. What's to say that tomorrow they don't send me something from 15 years ago? And who remembers what you did 15 years ago anyway? Well, tell you what, I always park legally. <laughs> Austin, you ever been uh, been uh, flagged for something seven years ago and had to pay a fine? No, not seven years. No. Six. I just think... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think after two years, maybe it should go away. I'm sure. As decreed by Gordon Monson. <laughs> I don't know. Like everything? Like murder even? Or? No, I suppose not. He's no. just saying parking. Oh, you were saying everything? I thought you were just talking about parking no, tickets. No, no, that's what I meant. Oh. I meant parking tickets, not major crimes. Make, you got to clear that up. <laughs> yeah, I would be, that would bother me seven years later. Well, why don't you watch where you park, man? All right. Anyway. We know you were upset about getting a speeding ticket when you were going like 85, and you were upset that you got it. And it's like, well, you were going like 85. Was I going 85? I don't know. What I do think you... it was 90. Was it 90? No, it wasn't. I, it was something when you got Pop going into Logan. Also, this no. is the guy that makes his own parking spot out here with construction barriers. He has done that before. That's true. <laughs> and someone claims he parked across diagonally a few times. That's a sensitive subject. Sorry. What? What did I do? When you parked across the entire parking lot up at uh, up at the U during a that's press conference. That's not true. See, that's, that's why I'm telling you. That's a sensitive not, subject. It's not because it's not true. If it were true, then I would say, all right, yeah, yeah, you got me. That I, was not Is true. it possible you did it without knowing you did no. it? No. Because no. Austin, Austin and me have a pretty good, or Austin and I, excuse me, have a pretty good source on this one. No, that, he is absolutely wrong. How do you know it's a he? Because I know. I know who it was. What if it was Leah Wadraska? <laughs> I don't care who it was. If, if it's true, <laughs> I it's throw true. Leah under the she was the, the first uh, female reporter okay. that came to mind. Oh, Leah's good. She filled in uh, what a couple of weeks ago doing some trip stuff, right? I didn't. She's back in town. I thought she had moved away. No, no. I thought she here. filled in on the Ute beat for a minute. Yeah, Am she, I wrong for, about that? It was BYU, I think. Oh, was it BYU? Yeah. yeah. So oh, anyway, here. I thought she'd. Yeah, I like Leah. That's why it came to mind. That is, you know, and, and the, that brings up another thing. I'll tell you what would be really, really frustrated would be falsely accused of something. Okay, Mike. Mike from Any Hour Services. There's a man services. who's always falsely accused. Uh, he joins us now. Now, if, if somebody told you that Gordon, when driving his his old nice car, not his new nice car, okay, actually his old old nice car, okay. So Two the, cars ago. The, the white one, if you can yes. think about what I'm talking the about. The Millennium here. Falcon. Yeah, the, 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 the flashing I, one. I remember. Uh, if somebody were to tell you that while attending a press conference up at the U, Gordon parked across four parking spots. <laughs> two, true. you know, like two. Across two horizontally and then, and then two on either side. No. Would you believe that? <clears throat> 
if I was to if I was to be walking across the parking lot and see a car like that parked that way, I would I would think something about that driver. Now, do I think Gordon would go to that extent? I I'd need photo proof. I'm Gordon Monson because he knows me. Mm. I am telling you, I I'll bet you. Five hundred million dollars. <laughs> Why do you have to go to that? I have a nice call. Why do you have to go to the extreme? <laughs> it's, it's a joke now. I see. Okay. But I would. I. I hey, five hundred million dollars uh, is nothing to joke about. I'll take that bet. I absolutely promise you that never happened. I'm going with my source on. I'll this. take the bet. Yeah. That, that you will. Yeah. Okay. Let's bet. Let's, let's bet your How are we going to prove it? Let's first bet of all, your man. house. Fine. <laughs> let's bet your house. Which one? Choose because, one. Well, I know I'm right. <laughs> That's how sure I am. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't deny that. I mean, if I did something like that, I That's, would say, I, yeah. You would. And we do have a pretty ironclad source here. It's not true. They're okay. lying. They're freaking lying. They're lying. You're calling God a liar. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike is here from, to you. from Any Hour Services. <laughs> I whisper to him a lot. <laughs> Mike, thanks for your help at slash not help. We we appreciate you weighing in there as usual. On well, the here's the thing: the, the more I dish it out, I never know what this guy's going to say when I'm trying to like deliver my talking points. He is a loose cannon, a, right? Yeah, he is a loose cannon. I mean, a guy true. that would park across four spots no. might seek revenge. No, I would not <laughs> seek revenge. And at no time, Mike, have I ever heard you tell a fib like Jake's source. On this, which is an uh, absolute complete fabrication, <laughs> I have never heard you do that during your spots. You I appreciate fake news? that. What hashtag fake news? Is that what you're saying? It's absolutely untrue. Maybe because we got a, a good source. How come it? the source I, didn't like take a picture? Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It wasn't me. The source is a liar. We should we should put it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we put it out there for photo proof next time. When I forget who it was now, but whoever it is is just flat wrong. You never knew who it yeah, was. I, you still we've don't. Never told you. Yeah, I thought you told me. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, well, names have been changed to protect. But it's those it's involved. pretty. I don't it's care. It's pretty rock solid. I don't solid. care who it is. They're lying. All right, Mike. Call them a liar to their face. Tell me t- who it is so I can do it. Or, to, or I know a guy. Or bribe them to shut their mouth because no. I I would guess that that would be more likely. Not only is a person a liar, he's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. We're talking furnace tips. What just you got remember, for it us? wasn't me, Gordon. When we're wasn't. talking about this next stuff, it was not Mike Wilson. It's not. I know who it was. Pretty integrity factor, pretty high. Uh, I don't care. It never happened. Pretty high. It never happened. Uh, furnace tips, Mike. What are we talking about? Uh, well. I'm not sure. Hang on. Did we did we throw you off? Sorry no, about no, no, that. No, Mike. no, no. We're good. Um, <clears throat> a guy who's tips. not a liar or a jerk, Mike Wolf. Thank you. That was a good intro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now proceed. In fact, you can believe everything Mike says. But as witnessed in the last break, if I don't know something, I'll tell you I yeah. don't know. But here we go. Okay, some more furnace tips. Um, you know, usually the heat just comes on. We take it for granted. When it gets cold, the furnace will kick on. A lot of us don't have a need to go to wherever the room is where the furnace is being stored. And some of us have them in attics and crawl spaces. But it is a good idea, at least, you know, once a season, and this is a good time since winter's just kind of kicking off, to go to wherever your furnace is and just kind of give it a visual inspection. You want to look and make sure that you don't have stuff piled up or on top of the furnace, or not on top, but around it, because it needs to be able to pull air in to, uh, to burn the gas properly. You want to take a second and actually just 
am I actually smelling gas? If you smell gas, that's a problem. Uh, does it sound louder? than normal because as it starts to get older and the motors start to wear out you'll start to hear a lot more loud noises look for water on the ground that's usually not a good sign because you've got something leaking Uh, and then while you're down there go ahead and check the filter take it out hold it up to the light if you can't see light through it you're not getting enough air through it so change it well let's talk about where we're talking about uh, tune-ups tonight and and why it's important to get that done every year well, uh, there's, a, there's a few things. Number one, efficiency. We talked about the longer it runs, the older it gets, the more wear and tear there is on it. So we want to try and keep it running as efficiently as possible to what the manufacturer intended. Uh, longevity, uh, the more consistent you can be with the maintenance, the more it's going to help that system last longer. So if you're getting the maintenance done regularly, that can be the difference in the system lasting 10 years and lasting 15 years. So it is a big deal there. But uh, another one, early warning signs. If there are parts as it's getting older, if there are parts that are starting to show signs of age, we should be able to detect some of those things with with the tools that we put on it and the measurements that we take. But I think one of the biggest ones is really peace of mind. Uh, You know, we talked about the furnace even more than the air conditioner it's a safety thing Uh, we want to make sure that the gas is burning properly and that it's exhausting the way that it should outside of the home and not into the home and tonight's the perfect opportunity uh, to do it because you've got a great deal going on correct regardless of the age or condition of your system uh, it's going to benefit from having this maintenance done that manufacturers say so our tune-up technicians they come out they go through the system top to bottom they check all the vital components make sure everything is running safely and efficiently they document everything they find they leave you with a full written report. Normally, we charge $99 to do this service. It's well worth it at that. Uh, but Zone listeners are going to be able to lock in a $70 savings and get it done for only 29 bucks. Schedule it for after the holidays, whenever's most convenient for you. We'll remind you of the appointment. But you got to call tonight before the end of the show if you want to lock in that $70 savings. Get on that schedule tonight. Call any hour services. Right now, save 70 bucks on a 29-point furnace tune-up. $99 value, only $29. But you got to call before 7 tonight. 801 801- 443-7400. That's 801-443-7400. Any hour services. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. All right, we'll talk a little jazz basketball. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.